Hallelujah. Father, we worship you. We lift our hands today and we just worship you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all worship and honor and glory. And we come to you as needy children, God, and we thank you that you are at work in our lives, even if we don't see it, God, even if we don't feel it. You are working in our lives. You have blessed us. You have blessed us, God. We worship you. We thank you, God. You are the King of kings. You are the Prince of peace. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. Worthy, 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 Jesus. Worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we uh, commit this service into your hands. Minister through your word today. Your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. And we pray that you would just anoint your word. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you so much uh, for being here today. It's such a privilege uh, to be able to stand here and speak. I thank Pastor for that. I know he can't hear me right now, but I'm sure he'll check it out later. And uh, those of you who will be watching online later, thank you uh, for joining us. I asked uh, Pastor if we could sing that song because that line where he says, even if I don't feel that you're working, even if I don't see that you're working, I know that you're working. And that's what I want to talk to you about today uh, in, in the few minutes that we have together in this sermon. But before we do that, I want to talk to you uh, about missions. Uh, Heidi and I are missionaries. You guys support us. Thank you so much for the many, 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 many years of mission support. We appreciate that. Uh, we have a website that you can visit there, adoptacampus.org. And there's also a blog. And calling it a blog might be uh, overstating it. It's a, every day I post uh, a school, a university or a college uh, with some statistics and some prayer requests. And so I'm calling it a blog because I put one up every day. And if you're an early riser, they're there at 5.30. They should be there at 5.30 uh, in the morning. So it's there all day, Monday through Friday, and you can pray for that school. If you don't want to do it that way, we also have what we call prayer guides that we've created. And there are 30 days or 31 days. Each day highlights a school uh, in either New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware. I've also gone into New Mexico and Oregon now. Uh, so we've created a prayer guide for starting in September, October, November, December, January, February, March. So we've created those prayer guides. And if you're interested in that, you can go to the website, go to the prayer guide spot and download one, or I believe Stella could send you one. Uh, we, get, we mail them out where the, uh, Kelly could send it to you. Uh, so if you have your email. So thank you so much for giving. Uh, God is on the move. You can put that next slide up, please. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And that's the, the crux of what uh, our mission is trying to accomplish. We want every single Assemblies of God church in the country praying for college students. Our colleges need prayer. Our colleges need prayer. And um, we're asking everyone to be praying for schools. But we have some good news in 2016, we had 668 affiliated Chi Alpha workers. They are people who went through the program to become trained Chi Alpha 
workers, 668. At the end of academic year 2020, so June 2020, we had 1,444. So in that four or five year time, God doubled the amount of workers for Chi Alpha. So you see, uh, God is still answering that prayer, and that's exciting uh, to be part of what God is doing. You can put that next slide up because these, I have some statistics with you. This is academic school year 2019 through June of 2020. So 2019, the fall of 2019 without COVID, and then into January, February, COVID came in March through June of uh, 2020. So academic year 2019, 2020. These are some of the statistics uh, coming out of just from Chi Alpha. So we're on 304 campuses. 23 of those were brand new pioneered campuses during this last academic year. So that's exciting to be on 23 new campuses. 15,137 students coming on a weekly basis to the large group meetings. Uh, once Chi Alpha, uh, one, I'm sorry, once COVID came, of course, they were online meetings, uh, people registering online. 18,900 total involvement. So you say 15,000 in large group. Well, there's also plenty of small groups taking places on different parts of campuses in Zoom meetings, like things like that, outreaches, missions trips. So close to 19,000 involved. But what really is exciting is that 15,900 plus were involved in discipleship, getting discipled. More people got involved in discipleship than were coming to the large group meetings. That's exciting. Uh, I, I call that success. You could have maybe, you know, 100 people in church, but if 200 people in the community are getting discipled, that's exciting. Uh, so we see God is still moving. Even if it's COVID, God doesn't care. God's not taken by surprise. God's still at work. 2,889 conversions. Uh, that's exciting to see students on secular college campuses coming to Christ, giving their lives to Christ. The next slide uh, goes on, just a few more. 1,300 of them followed Jesus in baptism. That's exciting. 1,195 filled with the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in other tongues. 570 students were healed. Students praying for students. This isn't some big-name evangelist who came, and but these are college students on secular college campuses praying for other college students on secular college campuses, 570 confirmed healings. That's exciting. God is alive and well, and he's doing great things. 531 missions trips with 4,600 students participating in those trips. Some of those trips did go overseas if they went in the fall or in January, but once COVID came, all those missions trips were canceled, and some of them were converted into home missions trips Students went different places in the country to help other people. So uh, just some statistics of what God is doing. You might not sense God working, but he is at work in this world. God is at work. Uh, you can be assured of that. And these are just some, some of the ways that we can see that. Okay, so a missions window. Now let's look to the word of God. You can put that next slide up, please, just to get us started here. So I'm the kind of guy when I... When I uh, preach a sermon, I like to have a title, and uh, I want to know where I'm going. What God, what's the big picture for the title uh, for the sermon today? And I feel like God is saying to me, uh, to share with you, God is in it for the long haul. Christianity is not a short-term fix. It's a long-term event. God is in it for the long haul. He has 
plans and goals and things that are happening for the future that we cannot even imagine. But God knows. God knows. He's in it for the long haul. And so we'll start out with this Psalm 31 and verse 15, uh, just the first part of that verse 15, just simply saying, my times, my life, my every day, my every week, my every month, my every year, my times are in your hands. I hope you can say that this morning, that my time is in your hands. And uh, that's where we're going to start. Before we go uh, any further, I have a few scriptures that I'm going to read them to you. And I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands. I, I don't always enjoy that when a preacher has a show of hands. Or, but think about the response. Do you agree or do you not agree? As I read these, Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that something you can agree with in your spirit? Or, okay. How about Jeremiah 32, 27? Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? You see, you might sense I'm trying to set you up for something here, but uh, I am. So uh, do you agree with that? Is that something that you can agree? How about Hebrews 13? This is promise number four from the promise series that we just concluded uh, last week. Promise number four, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Is that something you can agree with in your spirit, you can have confidence in? You can repeat that to yourself. Romans 8.28 is another one. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. I have one more, and that comes from Deuteronomy. Like Deuteronomy? <laughs> yes, Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4. It says, he, God, is the rock. His works are perfect. Think about that. All his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. Can you sit in God's presence and meditate and say, his ways are just. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. These are some powerful thoughts that I want to get across to you because as we journey through life, if our times are in God's hands, we look at things and we say, but why did that happen? Why is that going on? What? And it's okay to question. But can we go back to these things that God has told us in his word? So let's, let's look at uh, a, few, a few more slides. Let's put that next slide up. So here, here's a road with double solid yellow lines and uh, I won't ask for a show of hands because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I think everybody here knows what a double yellow solid line means, right? Uh, don't pass. It doesn't mean try to pass really quickly. It means don't pass. And yesterday I was driving. I saw a motorcycle. We were stopped at a red light, two lanes, and a motorcycle weaving his way between the cars to get to the red light. And then I thought, you know, that's bad enough. But then he looks both ways and he runs the red light. All right, some people don't know the rules of the road or they don't want to obey them. But if you're driving down this road and you see these double yellow lines and there's a car in front of you going slow, if you try to pull out and pass that car, you don't know what's coming around the bend. 
That's why those lines are there. You see that road disappears off. There could be an 18-wheeler coming 50 miles an hour around that bend, and he's not going to be able to stop when he sees you, and you're going to be sorry you pulled out. Why do I put that picture up there? Because in our life, there are events that take place. We don't know what God's doing around the bend. We can't see what's happening around the bend. But God knows what's going on. Jesus said like this, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. But how many of us worry about tomorrow? <laughs> All the time. We worry about what's around the bend. He goes on to say, each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew uh, chapter 6. Let me tell you a quick story, a COVID story. Maybe some of you have COVID stories. Uh, hopefully, uh, by the end of this COVID time, we're going to have a lot of testimonies of what God did during COVID. And uh, I have a testimony for you, a COVID story, if you want. Uh, we know this woman. In, in 2019, uh, she applied for about 75 jobs. Think about that. Unemployed, looking for work. She filled out at least 75, and I think that's a conservative number, about 75 job applications. Went to interviews. Nobody was hiring. So frustrated, praying and asking God, there's got to be a job out there somewhere for me. And nothing was going on. Nothing was happening. December of 2019, she finds out about this uh, organization. They weren't even advertising. They had advertised earlier, but they took their advertisement down. But she felt, okay, I should go hand in my resume. I'll just walk in the office, hand in my resume. And in January of, 29, of 2020, they contacted her and said, we're interested in hiring you. They had an interview. She started working in mid-January of 2020. And then COVID came. And her job was a necessary job, and they didn't shut down. Almost every one to the application of those other jobs in 2019 all shut down. All those people were furloughed. But she was able to work over 40 hours a week, all during COVID. She continues to have that job. Just an amazing opportunity. We don't know why God was refusing all those other applications, but now we know. We didn't know what was around, but God knew what was around that bend. If you're in that situation right now, hold on. God knows. God knows what's around the bend. Let's uh, go to that next slide. And just simply, uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. And this is really going to be our text for today. 1 Kings chapter 17. And we're going to see, uh, hear a story here about Elijah the prophet. You're familiar with him. Uh, he was the prophet in Israel. Uh, God spoke to him and said that there was going to be seven years, seven years of drought. Seven years of drought, which turns into what? Famine. People go hungry. So you, here's the story leading up to that. God sends him to uh, the brook, and he sends the ravens. You remember that part of the Old Testament stories, if you read that? And the ravens come and feed him, and he's able to drink the water from the brook. But because of the, the drought, eventually the brook dries up. And God says, okay, now I want you to go to Zarephath. There's a widow there that I've prepared to help meet your needs. So that's where we pick up the story. And I'm going to read, uh, to, uh, I'm read that to you starting in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, 
which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. And she was going as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in a bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat, may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go, do as you said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me, and afterward you may make one for yourself and for your son. And she said, no, thank you, closed the door and walked away. Wait, no, that's what I would have done. Verse 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. I find that such a fascinating story. Uh, first of all, she's not even an Israelite. She's not even of the household of faith. She's from Sidon. She's from the other side of the border. And God says, I prepared a widow to take care of you, but he forgot to tell the widow. <laughs> she didn't know. When Elijah came, uh, she didn't say, oh, there you are. God told me you were coming. But Elijah shows up, and he says, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. Can you feed me? And she's like, well, you read the story. I'm going to cook what little flour I have. I'm going to feed it to my son. We're going to die. Evidently, she must have said to herself, what's the difference if I eat that bread and die tomorrow or if I don't eat the bread and I die later tonight? Maybe that's what was going through her mind. I don't know. But this is the story, and it's a, fa a fascinating uh, little, little story because she's riding on that bench. She has no idea what God is doing in her life. And to be honest, Elijah, he had a word from God, but he, he, he had to be obedient and follow God where he was going. Uh, you can put that next slide up here. Uh, this is my truck. <laughs> it was our truck. But it was my truck first, and then we got married. Then it was our truck. I used to love that truck. Eight miles to the gallon. <laughs> Four-wheel drive all the time. <laughs> Heidi and I got married, and, you know, we decided, you know what? We're probably need a more fenuftic. Oh, fenuftic. Is that the English word? A more, that's a German word, I'm sorry. <laughs> a more reasonable vehicle for our family. I mean, we, we, we had it for a few months, but we decided it was time to, so we were going to sell, we looked it up, uh, about $1,800 for this truck, uh, so we were going to put it on the market. We came home, we were living in Phoenixville, and we came, I say home, we came back to Landisville, I grew up in Landisville, and uh, my brother, two, I have two younger brothers, we're in high school, one was in high school, we went to a football game, and on the way home that night, we were driving down 202 just outside of Westchester, and the truck died. When we were driving, it was nighttime, the lights went out, the power, everything just went out. 
And I, I did what I could with the power steering to get it, the power steering went out to get it off on the side of the road. And just as that happened, a car came by and it was Heidi's old roommate and her husband from college. So he pulls over and Steve, he had his toolbox, he's a mechanic, and he lifts up the hood and he looks underneath and he finds out, well, there's a wire here that burned out and I have a, a, a wire here and I'll just replace that. And so he replaced that, he did it all with flashlights and uh, he said, I'll follow you uh, to a certain exit and then you're on your own. So he followed behind us for a little while and uh, pulled up alongside. Everything looks like it's going well. I'm getting off at this exit. And I kept on going. He disappeared in the rearview mirror. And guess what happened? No. Big orange glow underneath the dashboard. I pulled over. Heidi literally jumped out of the truck. There's a bank, you know, a bench seat. And we had all kind of stuff from my mother piled up. So she jumped over my lap and got out before I could, we looked back, the whole thing was engulfed in flames. You can put that next picture up. So this is what happened to our beautiful truck. That wire burned out because there was a short. And so he put a heavier gauge wire that kept feeding the short. The insurance company gave us $2,200. We went out and bought a, a Chevette. <laughs> I tell you that story for a couple of reasons, because we don't know what God is doing in our lives. We don't know what's happening. We don't understand what's happening. And it's been a while since I've seen the pictures, and I just had to look at the truck again. So, But, you know, uh, your attitude, the next slide, your attitude is going to determine your altitude. And I didn't come up with that saying. Someone else did. I don't remember who it was. It's not f new with me. Uh, but but uh, I think it's a good phrase and it's taken me a long time uh, to learn that, that my attitude plays a lot in what's going to happen in my life. I can have a lousy attitude or I can put everything back in God's hands. And so I just want to look at three uh, quick points here under this heading. And uh, you can put that, thank you, that next slide. So God knows me. God knows each one of us intimately. He knows what we need. He knows what we're going through. He knows how to help us out. He knows us. In John chapter 21, we won't take the time to look at that. If you want to read that at another time, you might be familiar with this story. It's after the resurrection. Peter and a couple of the other fishermen, they're like, we're going fishing. We don't know what quite to do yet. So they go out fishing. And Jesus is on the beach. He makes a fire. And he cooks some fish, and they come back in, and he's there feeding them fish. And he grabs Peter, and he walks off with Peter, and he start, starts telling Peter about his future. He starts telling Peter, you know, when you were younger, you did whatever you want, but when you're older, you're not going to be able to do what you want. You're, and he's telling him how he's going to die. And Peter, being Peter, he turns to the, the apostle John. He said, well, what about John? What's going to happen to John? Like, all of a sudden, he's concerned about John's future. And Jesus said, don't worry about him. You follow me, each one of us. And God knows us. He knows us personally. He knows us intimately. And he's asking us not to look around at everybody else's circumstances and situations, but you follow me. That's so important that we have that understanding that's what God wants from us. 
not to compare ourselves with others, not to compare our family with other families. Believe me, it gets easy to do. Not to compare our vehicle with someone else's vehicle, not to compare our house with someone else's house, not to compare, you, you get the picture. But we have such a tendency to do that. God's asking us to walk with him personally every day. The next uh, slide, the next point, God loves me. He not only knows me, but he loves me. In the book of Lamentations, you know, Jeremiah was the weeping prophet, and he wrote the book of Lamentations. He took a lot of time in writing the book of Lamentations. Get a commentary, look it up, all the work and effort that he put into that. And then we get to chapter 3 and verse 21. And Jeremiah writes, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. So here he is in the middle of this lament, this lamentations. I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. God is merciful to us. He does not give us what we deserve. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. Take a moment. See God's goodness, that first song that we listen to all around me. God is good. I see God's goodness all around me. How many times do we focus on the things that are going wrong instead of the things that have gone right? Think about how God could be dealing with us, and he chose not to deal with us. Not according to our sins, but according to what uh, his mercies dictate. This woman, this widow in Zarephath, uh, it's amazing. In, in Luke, Jesus calls her out, says that in all, during that famine, during that, that time of no rain, all the places in the world God could have sent uh, Elijah, he sent him to Zarephath. Jesus retells the story, giving credibility to that story. Uh, so I think that's amazing. She listens to Elijah, and she ends up with enough food for herself, for her son. And it says that for Elijah as well, he stayed with her until the end of the famine. And so the miracle that took place every single day, she'd go into the kitchen, take out a handful of flour, make some bread, use the oil. The next day she'd go back, and it would be there again. What an amazing story, because she said yes to what God was doing. She didn't understand it. I don't see how she could have ever understood what God was doing. How could she have seen around that bend and totally understood how in the world will flour miraculously appear every day in my bowl? How, how is that going? But she did it. She took that step. And there are things in our lives we need to take that step. The third thing is that God has plans for me. God has plans for me. And this verse of scripture is amazing. In effect, Paul writes and he says, but when the fullness of time came, when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that he might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. But when the fullness of time came, God had a plan. He was working out this point in history all throughout all the other times of history. 
when the fullness of time came, when the just the right time, when just the right lady was born, when just the right, everything set in place, Jesus came. In the fullness of time, God's going to reveal to us what he's doing in our lives, what's going on, what we don't understand. I believe that, that God is at work even if we don't see him working. He's going to fill those things out. Think about Jesus. Jesus came to earth in a body, in a human form. It says he came of a woman born under the law. Jesus was born into a family. You remember the story. Uh, we read it sometimes uh, in Christmas or, or when we're reading the first part of the book of Luke. And Jesus' family went to Jerusalem. And then they left. And Mary and Joseph thought Jesus was with the rest of the family. They were with the extended clan. And Jesus was nowhere to be found. So they go back to Jerusalem. They're hunting him down. They finally find find him in the temple, and he says to them, didn't you know that I should be about my father's business? So he was 12 years old, and he already knew he should be about his father's business. But he didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old. That's a long 18 years. He learned to trade. He became an apprentice, maybe to his father, maybe to another carpenter. A lot of time people get apprenticed not to their family, but to someone else. So he was an employee. Then later, when church history tells us Joseph passed away, Jesus took over the business. He was the carpenter. He ran the business. He was a business owner. Sometimes we don't think about Jesus being an employee or being a business owner or having a payroll that he has to meet. He has people working under him. Right? His inner family connections. He has a mother. He has a father. He has brothers. He has sisters. He has relatives that he has to interact with on a regular basis for 18 long years. Can you imagine? I came here for something completely different, and I'm doing all this. And I'm doing all this. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of the faith, not of our faith, of the faith. Jesus had to walk out his faith as a human being. Whoa, that almost sounds like blasphemy, right? Jesus had to walk out his faith. He was a human being on earth living by faith. And he had 30 years of practice. He perfected the faith. And he waits Kind of picture the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, if you're familiar with that, after the resurrection. They go off, uh, they leave Jerusalem, and they go for a walk to another town. And Jesus comes up alongside of them and walks with them. And they talk and they converse. And then when they get to Emmaus, they have dinner together and they realize, whoa, that's Jesus. And he disappears. And they run back to Jerusalem to tell everybody, but we're just like those people on the road to Emmaus. Jesus wants to come up and walk alongside of us. He's already perfected the faith. Let us glean what we can from him. Let's go to that next slide. And we're going to uh, hurry through uh, some of this. What we do now counts. How we deal with those situations that are coming up in our lives it really counts we need to face them and we need to deal with them so earlier in the beginning of the service i asked you about hebrews 13 jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever jeremiah 
God is the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for him? Or Romans 8, 28, all things work together. Remember those verses, and I was asking you, how do you feel about that? Here's where we need to put them in, pl in play. Something happens in your life. You applied for 75 jobs and didn't get hired. Do you give up on God or do you say, God, I don't understand it. There's something coming. There has to be. A, I'm putting my life in your hands. Open a door for me. And a door opens that is really amazing. We have to be able to do that. So number one, the next slide, discouragement is part of the human condition. Every one of us get discouraged. That's not a word, a negative word. For those of you who are word of faith people, it's just truth. We get discouraged. Thing happens. Things happen. Trucks burn on the side of the highway. We get discouraged. We don't understand. That's part of the human condition. Elijah, after all that he did, he went and told Ahab, the rain's going to come. And he outran the horses to Jerusalem. And then Jezebel meets him there and says, you're a dead man. And he goes and hides from Jezebel and says, God, I'm no better than my father. Just kill me now. Here's the prophet of God who just went through all that stuff. Discouragement comes, but what we do with it is important. We can wallow in it, or we can turn it over back to God. The next slide here is in Habakkuk, a little uh, book in the Old Testament, a minor prophet they call him. And he complains and complains and complains for three chapters. And at the end of Habakkuk, at the, the last couple of verses there, he says, look, this is what it boils down to. If my vineyard doesn't produce any grapes, if my fruit trees do not have any fruit on them, if my stalls are empty, all my cattle die, I'm still going to worship God. He is still worthy of all worship and all praise. Discouragement comes, but where do we bring it? What do we do with it? And then that last, the last point there, God's not going anywhere. He's in it for the long haul. He loves us. He knows us. He's faithful. We get discouraged. We turn it back over to him. And then we see in 2 Timothy uh, where Paul writes to Timothy, he says, this statement is trustworthy. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. But if we are faithless, he remains faithful. I just love that scripture. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. There are times where we just lay on the couch and say, God, I just can't do it anymore. But I believe you. I believe that you are the creator of the universe. And I put my life in your hands. He remains faithful. If we are faithful, if we are faithless, he still remains faithful. And one last slide, please. And we go full circle here, Psalm 31, verse 14 and 15 this time. The psalmist writes, but as for me, so you can't talk for anybody else, but as for me, I trust you, Lord. And it's important that the word Lord here is written in all capital uh, letters because that, that means it's in the Hebrew, and, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar at all, just at the beginning of my Bible, there's an introduction. Some people don't like to read the introductions to books. Uh, sometimes I read the introduction to the book after I read the book in case it does give too much away. But you can read your introduction, and it says that when it's all capital letters like that, that means it's referring to Yahweh. 
And Yahweh is the I am that I am, the ever-existent eternal God who had no beginning and no end. That's who Yahweh is. And that's who the psalmist, but as for me, I trust in you, the ever-eternal existing God who had no beginning and no end. You are my God. My times are in your hands. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can trust you, that even though you're the eternally existent, ever-existing God who had no beginning and no end, you walk with us. And you have plans for our lives that we cannot even comprehend. We don't know what you're doing in our families' lives. We have unsaved loved ones, God. We don't understand what's going on, but you're at work. We believe that you are at work even when we don't see. We thank you for your goodness all around us today. We acknowledge you. And Father, you know the hearts and lives of every person in this room, every person who hears my voice, whether they watch this later on the internet. Minister to them today. Perhaps there's someone who would say, Jesus, I've never given you my life before. I want to put my life in your hands. I want to commit that to you today. I don't understand what you're doing, but today I want to say, yes, I give my life to you. Help me understand what you're doing. Open my eyes. Reveal to me. If you did that today for the first time, don't leave this room without talking to someone, uh, a pastor or someone that you know. And if you did that online, send the church an email. God gives you hope. And let someone know. Amen. Pastor Joe.